thank you both for joining me today. That's really kind of you to give up your time and join me on the channel. So today, guys, we're joined by Lorraine Richardson and Stuart Fordsyke, who specialise in conveyancing. And today they'll give us an insight as to how coronavirus is impacting on the conveyancing process for those of you that are thinking of buying property or are midway through your property purchase. I thought it would be use really useful to share some of their experiences. So it's also worth me mentioning as well that Lorraine and Stuart do have a YouTube channel which is called Conveyancing Matters. So check that out for those of you that are interested to know more about conveyancing. Thank you both for joining us. No and problem. Thank you. And yeah, first of all, I guess just if you can give us a quick introduction. So starting with yourself, Stuart, if you can tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, OK. So my name is Stuart Forsdyke uh, and I'm a partner at PCS Legal. We're a law firm situated in London and Essex. We've got offices in Basildon, Ongar, Wickford, London, yeah. and we specialise in conveyancing, which is the, the legal process behind buying and selling houses. Fantastic. And Lorraine? if you can just do a quick introduction. Yeah, hi Nikki, thanks so much for inviting us. Yeah, my name is Lorraine Richardson and um, I'm slightly different beast to Stu. I'm uh, a property solicitor, I've been doing it for years, but I also have done a lot of uh, training, a lot of property courses and training and so on. So I now combine the two. I finally left practice full time a couple of years ago. I've now set up my own training company called Adapt Law. So now what I do, Nikki, is mix the two. So I locum for conveyancing firms, obviously doing conveyancing, but I also offer training and of course now do conveyancing matters with the, with the lovely, gorgeous stew. So, um, so a really <laughs> lovely range of things for me. Brilliant. So I'm going to kick off today's interview by coming first of all to yourself, Lorraine. And it's worth me asking because so many of my clients, they come to me for a mortgage. They get confused. What's the difference between a conveyancer or a solicitor? Do I need both? Are they two separate things? Can you shed some light on that for us? What's the difference between the two? Yeah, sure, Nikki, I'd be happy to. It's very straightforward. Conveyancer is basically the umbrella term, if you like, for people who do who are qualified to do conveyancing work. And broadly, there are solicitors who can do all sorts of legal work. But, you know, those that specialise in conveyancing would be called a conveyancer. Um, you've got legal executives who can qualify at, into specialist areas. And again, conveyancing be one of those. And you've got specialist property lawyers like Stu called licensed licensed conveyancers who have qualified and are specialists in 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 conveyancing specifically so there was you know there were various um, people that do conveyancing work in it, as well of course as huge numbers of fantastic paralegals and support staff but really Nikki conveyancer is the sort of umbrella term but the reality is that for people buying and selling houses broadly speaking they're going to need a qualified property lawyer to help them which is why they would go to uh, a legal firm be it a firm of solicitors or a firm of licensed conveyancers. Okay, so it's understandable the roles are interchangeable, they can, yeah, cross over. Yeah. Brilliant. So, Stuart, coming over to you next, can you just give us a bit of an insight as to what role a conveyancer plays in the house buying process? What do you actually do as an overview? Yeah, yeah of course. So, uh, once um, you've found the house of your dreams in terms of buying or, or if you're selling a property, the next step is the legal process. So I suppose it's the boring part, really. But of course, you know, it's not an insignificant amount of money that people are spending. So we need to make sure that that property that they're buying uh, is fit for purpose and that there's no problems with it. So we act on behalf of the client and the bank 
making sure that the property they're buying doesn't have, in essence, doesn't have any problems, so that once they've bought it, they can enjoy it and move in with, with, with you know, with no issues ahead. Okay. Actually, Nick, it's probably worth saying just in just in the interest of shameless plug, and it's really interesting you picked those two questions first, because actually Stu and I have done sort of longer conveyancing matters chats on, on actually both of those questions specifically. So, you know, what is a conveyancer and what does the conveyancer do? So if any of your lovely viewers are interested in uh, in a bit more info, then uh, then they can scrabble around on YouTube and find us under conveyancing matters. So we answer it more fully as well. So hopefully that will help people. Definitely. I'm sure that the viewers would find a more detailed chat on both of those questions useful. So that's good. OK, so guys, tell us then with everything that's happening in the strange world that we're living in at the moment, what is the biggest challenge for you as conveyancers throughout this pandemic? Do you want to take that one first, Jane? Yeah, of course. So um, what people don't often realise is that the conveyancing process, uh, it's long winded at the best of times. So on average, somebody's looking probably you know, two, three months at least to get from when they've found that property that they want to buy or sell um, to actually moving in. It's, it's a long process. It takes at least three months. That process takes that amount of time because there's many different parties that are involved in the transaction. Um, now, that was pre-COVID. Yeah. Unfortunately, the world we now live in, um, when we have to contact, whether it be local authorities, banks, building societies, uh, search companies, landlords, management agents, all the different people that are involved. Mm. You know, they've had people on furlough. They've got additional workloads that, you know, that, for example, the, the stamp duty holidays created a massive influx of buyers. Uh, the market's really buoyant at the moment. So everybody's just super, super busy. So from our point of view, um, you know, a job that would normally take that two to three months, unfortunately, um, and, and it's, you know, nobody likes this, you know, and, and particularly us. Um, but unfortunately now, you know, the UK average is, is 19 weeks. And it's just because it, it takes so long to get through to everybody. You know, a call to somebody's bank um, before completion to make sure uh, monies are going to arrive in time for completion. You know, it, it will now take an hour to get through, whereas previously it might be five, ten minutes. So it's, it's difficult yeah. circumstances that we're working in. Yeah, sure. I think as well, a lot of people um, probably underestimate that you guys do work with so many third parties as well. So you can't always control every single aspect of what you're doing. And people don't always realise that. Definitely, definitely. It's like a wheel with lots of different spokes in it. So, you know, there's local authorities, there's um, the land registry, there's the inland revenue. There are so many different people that are involved in a transaction. And, yeah. and ultimately, this is why it takes so long. Stu, yeah. actually, didn't you count it was something like 19 different parties? That's right. I think on a chat we yeah we recently had, we worked out there were 19 different people or, or bodies that were involved in a conveyancing transaction. So from a real, real basic point of view, if you think that's 19 people that we might contact, whether that be by telephone, by email, and we're mm -hmm. waiting you know, at different periods for all of these people to reply and, 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 and the sort of backwards and forwards, if you like, so, yeah, there are, there are plenty of people involved. And, of course, a lot of that is behind the scenes. So mm. the average client wouldn't even know uh, about sort of, you know, the stuff that we may be doing for them. Um, and, of course, now the challenge is for us is to manage expectations and to tell clients this is what we're doing. But, unfortunately, we're waiting on this person, waiting on that person. Sure. OK, so I think one of the key points there is if you are buying during the pandemic, you definitely have to be patient. 
<laughs> I think, yeah, definitely. I think there's two things. It's it's being patient, but it's also sort of being prepared as well. And I know we're going to go on to talk about that um, a bit later in this conversation, but being prepared and actually getting everything sorted, you know, before you buy or before you engage in the legal works equally is important as well. Okay, brilliant. So you've kind of covered off my next question, actually. So I'm going to move on and I'm going to ask you both what then let's say that a buyer has exchanged contracts so they're near the end of the process but they can't move and complete because of self-isolating or you know a potential lockdown situation what penalties might come with delaying completion beyond a certain point if any well it's gone right sorry yeah well the, i mean the big the big one there really nikki is if um the parties of you know for example perhaps exchanged more recently uh, mm. and we're entering the, the you know the current lockdown again uh, i mean fundamentally if the contract hasn't got anything in it allowing for delay um fundamentally you know the what we call the standard conditions of sale they don't have any wriggle room really so mm. a party who is unable to complete however sympathetic one might be about the reason or however worthy and understandable the reason you know that party fundamentally will be in breach of contract and mm. the innocent party the party who you know was ready willing and able to proceed is an is allowed to serve what's called a notice to complete nikki and that will give the defaulting party 10 working days uh, within which to complete and if that hasn't if completion hasn't happened within that time frame the innocent party can bring the contract to an end and of course if the innocent party is the seller they get to keep their buyers 10% deposit so it you know it's it's a serious serious thing now there have been um you know a lot of um so-called covid clauses that people have talked about to put into conveyancing contracts and i do think that's a really important discussion for clients to have with their um, conveyances, um, you know, probably too much to talk about in in this relatively short uh, chat, Nikki. But um, you know, my professional view, for what it's worth, is those COVID clauses aren't without difficulty, because of course, what you're trying to do then is is put something in a contract which is usually very tight, very clean, very tidy. You know, everybody knows where they stand. It might seem a bit harsh. But mm. with you know you've at least got certainty. But of mm. course, if you're trying to essentially bring in legitimate wriggle room mm -hmm. to a contract with these COVID clauses, that can also get very difficult. Because the bottom line is, you know, if somebody can't complete because they're self-isolating, Nikki, um, well, how do you prove that? Now, yeah. I'm not saying that conveyances shouldn't be trying to negotiate uh, something uh, you know they absolutely should be having a conversation with their clients but it's really from a legal point of view quite a difficult thing to achieve and of course the reality also is if you've got a longer chain actually mm. all the parties in the chain should have the same covid provisions in yeah. their contract and again yeah. that can be quite a difficult thing to to achieve so certainly what we're seeing um is more people perhaps prepared nikki to break a chain more sellers prepared to go ahead on their sale to get that one in the bag and maybe you know move into rented if they can or move into uh, uh you know temporary accommodation rather than tying a purchase that you know they recognize might take a lot longer yeah sure. i think there's, a, there's something else to add there as well uh, nikki so yeah. just so the viewers know um when you're buying a property and you, you're we're doing the legal work we're working towards the exchange of contracts so the exchange of contracts is the point when both a buyer and a seller are legally bound to buy and sell yeah. and the completion date could be a week could be two weeks after that mm -hmm. um 
The other option is, of course, that we do not exchange and we simultaneously exchange and complete on the same day. Um, that would be the the way around uh, somebody worrying about potentially isolating or or, or COVID clauses or, or just looking to, to proceed without the risk. Yeah, okay, so minimising the risk, encourage people to exchange and complete same day. Yeah, I mean, it's not, Where it's they not can. without its risks, it's not without its risks, but, you know, at the end of the day, Nikki, what a lot of people don't realise is our job as conveyances is to explain the risks to our clients and then mm -hmm. say, you tell us what you would like to do based on our advice. A lot yes. of people, if I had a pound for every client that said to me, Lorraine, what would you do? Well, what I personally would do isn't what's relevant. Our job is to say to the client, this is the risk. And of course, you know, if any lawyers are watching this, some of them will shout at the screen and say, well, yes, simultaneous is rubbish because, of course, you've got no contract. So if we all agree that we're going to complete a week on Friday and we yeah. don't, well, there's no legal recourse. But that's kind of the point that Stu's just made. But so in a way, you know, you might want to see a simultaneous exchange and completion, perhaps as the, as the least worst option yes. in, a in, in, a, in a pandemic. But um, but I have to say it's it's pretty straightforward and it's fair to say that if people you know buyers and sellers generally right now are are very keen to get going and you've got pretty serious pretty committed uh, clients who actually you know if we all said we're going to try and exchange and complete a week on Friday I think the vast majority would try to bring that about definitely okay so now i want to pick your brains on this stamp duty holiday because if you guys are anything like us things have been really busy given the stamp duty holiday so i wanted to know what advice you might have for purchasers if they've not completed by the 31st of march so that means they're going to miss out on the stamp duty holiday is there any protection for them you know what what advice can you give the answer to that question is simply no. At the moment, unless somebody has completed their transaction before the end of March, then they will not be eligible to take advantage of the, the stamp duty holiday. Mm -hmm. So, the, you know, the, the, at, at that point, there is nothing more they can do. It is possible the government might extend this holiday, but obviously nobody at this moment in time knows the answer to that. No. Um, the only way for a buyer um, or indeed a seller really to prepare for that situation and of course, as you've alluded to, everybody's so busy at the moment that that's only going to escalate and increase, I suggest, in January and February, where yeah. people are uh, you know, more aware that the holiday is coming to a close. Mm -hmm. So everybody really does need to get their own sort of house in order. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, whether it's um, obtaining a mortgage, whether it's conducting legal work, there will be certain things that any buyer will need to do from sort of their side of the fence and that means collating sort of bank statements showing their deposit monies um, being in situ it means collating id getting everything ready um, in terms of selling there are standard forms that they can complete when they put their property on the market so really it's just a case of doing as much work as possible as early as possible don't wait until you've found a buyer or don't wait till you've found a property to then scramble around and try and find those bank statements and those bits of paper that prove where your money came from. It's yeah. doing as much as you possibly can as early as you can to give yourself the best chance of meeting that deadline. 
Yeah. What's interesting, Nikki, is that um, sort of your questions are all kind of interlinked, really, because as what Stu's just said, that absolutely then harks back to your first question. You know, what's the biggest challenge? And as Stu said, actually, it's managing client expectation and its communication. So the reality is, if we don't get instructed, if PCS Legal don't get instructed on a matter, you know, till the end of Jan, beginning of Feb, you know, <laughs> Stu and all of his colleagues and staff are going to be saying, you know, in great big, huge two foot high letters, you know, we make absolutely no guarantees that you're going to be completed by the stamp duty land tax holiday. As I say, it, as Stu said, if it, it, unless it's um, extended, of course, but um, mm -hmm. but but also what's quite interesting, again, perhaps from your your audience's point of view, Nikki, is that um, absolutely right across the property press, which, of course, you know, our lovely clients won't be looking at and won't be reading, is there's lots out there now that's sort of <coughs> saying, Thanks for that, Stu. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> out there that's sort of basically saying, uh, you know, buyers and sellers, if you haven't got your act together now, if you haven't got your house on the market, or if you haven't chosen something to buy by now, you know, now um, you're unlikely to be sorting yourselves out by the stamp duty at the end of the stamp duty holiday. So yeah. traditionally, and maybe we, you know, clearly we're not in a traditional year, but of course, a lot of people probably won't even think about this sort of thing until the Christmas holiday. You know, a lot of people mm -hmm. will be looking for something to do on Boxing Day and start fannying about on right move. You yeah. know, the narrative in our world for quite some time, Nikki, has been that's probably too late. For a yes, lot of people, if you're selling that. and you haven't got your list, your house listed until early Jan, you're really going to be struggling. To, I mean, or, you know, yeah. everybody might hit pay dirt and get the odd, uh, you know, get the odd cash buyer pinging up. But uh, but sort of from your point of view, from your perspective, you know, you're you're involved sort of much earlier in the process than we are. Well, if you know, if people haven't got their their mortgage offer in place, mm -hmm. um, then clearly nothing's happening. And Stu said the other day to me, you know, the number of people that hassle him to exchange contracts when he hasn't yet got a mortgage offer is quite extraordinary. And maybe that's one message you could get out to your clients, you know, no mortgage offer, no exchangey. So yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. don't be rude to your conveyancer because, you know, we just can't do it. Definitely. And as well, to be honest, Stuart, what you mentioned about being prepared with documents, etc. I think that that goes pandemic or no pandemic, just being as prepared as possible. You know, I always encourage clients to make sure that you've got an agreement in principle before you start viewing properties instead of scrambling around trying to find a lender after you've agreed an offer. So, yeah, I think being prepared is just generally good advice, no matter what kind of world we're living in. Sounds, sounds simple, doesn't it? But it's definitely the way forward. Definitely. Okay, so what, what advice would you give to buyers and sellers at the moment if they are purchasing during COVID? Just general advice. I suppose, you know, it, as, as we've already alluded to in this conversation, the things to really take from, from, from watching this video are make sure you have everything in order. So that means collating documents such as ID, bank statements, so that they can be served on your mortgage advisor, can be served on your legal representative. Mm -hmm. um, but also don't panic, you know, at this stage, you know, you're buying a property, you're spending a significant amount of money. So we shouldn't, um, you know, display the legal due diligence that, that needs to be carried out on behalf of a client. You know, mm -hmm. whether they save a few thousand pounds on stamp duty or not, it shouldn't be to the detriment of the legal due diligence that we're about to carry out on that property. And making sure that they're not about to buy a problem because 
you know, you might save a bit of stamp duty, but there's nothing worse than buying a property to move in to find out that, you know, there was a private road, you might have to contribute to it, or there could be service charge relating to a period prior to your ownership. You know, it's really, really important that, you know, people sort of place, you know, importance on the legal process, because it's not just a, a process and we don't just service it, you know, it's proper legal work, investigating the title, investigating the property that's being bought. So stamp duty holiday or no stamp duty holiday, um, it's very important that that process is allowed to take place. Um, and, and just be realistic, you know, if you've found the property to buy and it's your dream dream home and you found it in January and February, mm. doesn't mean, you know, you, you can't buy it just because, you know, you, you can't move in before the end of that, that, that period. Um, it, it's unfortunate, but people do need to be realistic and they need to understand, as I said near the start, the process is going to be 16 odd weeks um you know Lorraine said that you know you might be lucky and you, you might have sort of a cash buyer that can do it quicker if you're a seller but but most of the time it's going to be that 16-week marker possibly even longer so people do need to take that into consideration at the start just to manage their expectations definitely and Lorraine do you have anything that you want to add to that well yeah I mean certainly I would say you know I absolutely endorse everything that Stu said you know I would urge clients to not shoot the messenger because we are the people at the front line and as Stu said our job is to make sure people have got rather boringly what's called a good and marketable title but Mm -hmm. uh, as Stu said you know a buyer has got to you know when they're they're a buyer now but they're going to be a seller in the future and they of course don't want a problem with the property that they bought in the midst of a stamp duty Covid related pandemic to suddenly cause them a problem in five years time when they come to sell but you know also for for buyers in particular as Stu said I think don't you know don't panic Mr Mannering most people won't be old enough they can go and look that up can't they they can google it um don't panic is a really important thing do your sums work out what stamp duty land tax saving you're actually going to make in reality because of course probably the point I would make and I'm no estate agent and I'm no financial advisor so or and I'm not a valuer so I'm probably not qualified to make this comment at all but of course one of the things the current scenario that we're in is doing is potentially sort of inflating prices so sellers are thinking well I'm in you know I'm in a buyer's market I'm going to put the price of this property up so actually what buyers are saving on the stamp duty land tax they're probably actually you know actually losing in a way because they're actually just paying more for the property so you know one one argument would be think carefully about the figures look carefully at the sums and you know don't put in an offer you know just before the end of March because you know that property might be you know you might get that property for quite a bit less you know in the middle of April would probably be something I would just ask people to get the calculators out and actually realistically speak to you know the likes of you Nikki to make sure you know they've got their sums in order. Definitely. And what I'm taking away from that as I'm sure viewers will as well is that look at your job you know as a conveyancer as being in their best interest as opposed Mm -hmm. to just a necessary component to get the property. Yeah, we absolutely have to. That's central to what we do. And that's you know, it's a really brilliant point, actually, Nikki. We sort of forget it because we're in the middle of it all the time. That's our professional duty. Our mm. duty is to act in the best interests of our client. And actually, I would invite, you know, other people who aren't lawyers in the process to take that on board because, you know, I might have a client who's saying to me, please, Lorraine, don't tell anybody this, but X, Y and Z. And mm. therefore, I've got a duty of confidentiality. So in, with the greatest respect, Nikki, I can't tell you and I can't mm. tell the estate agents and I can't tell any 
and what my client's issue might be. So that's a different conversation. But in the midst of where we are now, uh, you know, it's very important for people to remember that we all have a professional, you know, conveyances have a professional duty and confidentiality is one of them. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today. I am sure that the viewers have found that incredibly useful. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned, Lorraine and Stuart have got a YouTube channel, which is Conveyancing Matters. So any more conveyancing resources that you might need, then do head over and check that out. But for now, let's get on with the rest of the show.